makes the greats great? What makes the successful successful? What makes the brilliant brilliant? Our Tuesday meetups with the celebrities of pharma industry and science are your one-stop shop to all these answers and more. Join us for Pies of Life, an initiative of the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program, where we bring your dream mentors to you. Welcome everyone. Uh, before we start our session, some uh, housekeeping rules. Please keep yourself on mute throughout the talk unless, of course, you're asking a question. Please keep your video on if possible. Uh, please do not record or share any audio or video of this talk on social media. And uh, thank you and hope you enjoyed today's one-on-one -on -one mentorship session. So welcome all to our Pies of Life. He began his journey in Punjab, India, where he gained degrees in pharmacology. He then attained a PhD in leukemia from Hanover Medical School, where he returned as a scientist and group leader for 10 years following a short postdoc. One of his PhD students graduated in June 2020, and that was all the push he needed to say enough. Says a lot about that PhD, <laughs> huh? With a more tangible impact in mind, he moved to BioNTech as a non-clinical safety expert, and then the pandemic hit, throwing him into the ever-difficult race against time. He's a father, a husband, a pro-vaxxer, and most of all, he may be the person saving your lives during this pandemic. Welcome to Ateate with Anuhar Chaturvedi. Anuhar, I invite you to please share your thoughts in your words, and then we'll take questions. Thank you very much. I think you have already given me or given the introduction to the audience. <laughs> so uh, first I would like to say, no, you were not the, the reason I left academia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, I like it's the other, other way around. I think you and also the other PhD students, you know, so normally, uh, people give the credit to the mentors. I, I give credit to my students because you are the, 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 the ones who say uh, sort of uh, made me think that I have to move to, uh, if I like, if I have to say uh, work to change the society uh, in a way to bring something to the clinic, uh, I have to move to industry. And that's why I moved to the industry. So we did a very good good work. Okay, maybe I'll quickly describe what we did uh, in Hanover Medical School together. So uh, we uh, uh, identified a novel target for, for leukemia and also we identified an inhibitor for leukemia when I was working at Hanover Medical School. And uh, we also have, have a patent for this particular inhibitor. And then we went to a pharma company. Uh, I can name the company Bayer. So we, we went to Bayer and we asked if they are, uh, uh, they, they are willing to develop our inhibitor further because we had a very low therapeutic index. So therapeutic, this is basically the dose uh, between the, to, uh, the, the uh, say difference between the toxic and the pharmacology. Uh, so we had a very low therapeutic index. So we, we asked uh, this pharma company if they would like to develop it a little further. And uh, this they told us that no, they cannot because they have their own inhibitor, which had a better therapeutic index. And we didn't have our money because the academy, we always have to rely on the grants uh, from uh, government sources. So, but we worked together with Bayer and we, we helped them in developing their inhibitor using our model. And at that time point, I realized that, uh, I mean, the next step for me is to move to uh, industry because there you can do the research and of course you have the funding and uh, there is less limitations of the money and you can work. And if you want to move something from say bench to clinic, it's, it's rather, uh, say more practical there rather than working in academia. Academics also doing a great job and, and I always love it. Uh, and uh, that's why I say that I give, I give credit to my students, to you, Charu, to Michelle, to Ramya, who sir worked on this project because we developed this project together. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and we moved to, to, uh, to phase one actually. So something which you can de you know, develop in the lab and bring to phase one, that's a great actually. So thank you. Um, so, uh, shall I give uh, my background or how, how would you want to continue, Charu? 
Yeah, Anuhar, I think you can tell us a bit about how you started off, like why you um, chose to do pharmacology first, uh, how you came into Germany, and you know, just a bit about your transition from academia to industry. And then uh, we also have uh, questions, a uh, little bit that we've prepared, and all our audience is always excited to ask, and then we can do those. Okay, fine. Thank you. So uh, first thing is that I never wanted to come to the science, always wanted to join the armed forces. So when I was in class seventh, I joined Sanis to Lucknow. And then six years, I did a rigorous training at Sanis to Lucknow to join armed forces. I was above average in academia and average in sports. I tried, I think, thrice, couldn't qualify NDA. And but since I was above region academia, so I thought, okay, now I have no option left, but just to move my career uh, ahead. And uh, in also in, in Sanic school, we had maths as a major subject. We didn't have biology. So I, I also say something like a destiny. So uh, when I was in class 11th, our school introduced biology also. So we had an option to take both maths and biology, or you can take uh, maths and a language. So I took maths and biology. And that's, and so after this uh, failing all, all the attempts uh, <laughs> to join defense forces, I uh, gave a pre-medical test. Uh, and uh, there uh, also I couldn't qualify. So this one year of, 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 <laughs> of, of preparation for the test, but what I could qualify is, is the end examination of, of Punjab University of Patiala to join Bachelor of Pharmacy. Okay. Um, then when I entered uh, my, my graduation, I, I started feeling that this is what I'm meant for. So I really liked you know, uh, this pharmacology, like how drugs affect the body, how body affects the drug and how one can prepare the drugs about targets and, and so on. So there I, I developed uh, interest in science, but still I was uh, not sure how I will move forward, what I'm going to do uh, in future. Uh, most of the of, of my colleagues who were doing the, the uh, bachelor, this pharmacy, bachelor of pharmacy, uh, many of them ended up uh, taking a job as medical, uh, it was MRs, medical representative still, I think that's the, the right uh, word or right term. Um, but I worked hard and uh, I topped the university. I got the gold medal uh, in the university and I had a, a professor or lecturer there. His name uh, is Dr. Ajay Sharma. So he was, he was uh, M pharma, he was doing his PhD. And uh, he used to talk about the research papers and uh, he used to talk about PubMed. I mean, it, it is in 1990s, 1990, say, uh, 1999, when uh, we, like, when, when computers were not so common. So we had, say, one computer in the library. But he used to talk about that, those. And then he introduced me to the journals, Nature and Science. So I used to go to the library. I used to read those journals. And that, uh, like, uh, developed an interest in me that I I, I should uh, move move forward in the science, and afterwards I gave the end exam of Niper. So we had this Niper is National Institute of Pharmaceutical Education Research. Now we have five, but at that time we had only one in Mohali. And since I was living, I studied in Patiala, and my family was living in Mohali. So I, I one day I with my father I visited Niper. I saw the campus. I was very much impressed. And, I, and somehow I got a chance to meet the registrar of, of that institute. And he told me that the uh, government of India is developing this NIPERS on the uh, line of IITs and they want to make say sort of a IIT for pharmacy. So I decided, no, I have to uh, join NIPERS. So I prepared uh, the for the entrance test, I qualified and then I joined NIPER and then I did my master's of biotechnology from uh, NIPER Mohali. And when I joined Niper, the, the atmosphere was very different because you had, say, the say choppers from all the universities from, from whole India together in one institute. And, and uh, like everybody was talking about science day and night. And uh, we, we had a very, say, nice environment to, to, to move, uh, say, so, so think about the next steps. 
and there everybody was was talking about that okay after uh, masters we have to do phd and this is how you can develop you know your career further in science and we have to move out of india because i mean there was limitations so I, i'm currently i'm i know that it is much much ahead and there at that time also there were some pioneer institutes but there were very say limited uh, institutes in pharmacy so we could think of only one central drug institute at that time i mean uh, apart from niper which were doing the the research say in pharmacy sort of okay so uh, from so just i said that we had only one institute cdra so from niper uh, i i joined cdra as a phd student and there i joined the lab of dr abhit mishra but my heart was like no i have to uh, move out because there were also very much limitations uh, at that time uh, in cdra in terms of research so then i started applying uh, uh, abroad and uh, i think I, i don't say i started applying abroad i applied only at hanover medical school actually that was the the only institute where i applied and uh, like qualified the written qualified the interview and then one day i got a call that come and join uh, as a phd student i mean there i, I want to tell something uh, very interesting uh, say uh, centers which dr amit mishra who whose whose lab i joined at cdri so i joined his lab i stayed only for 3 or 4 months and then i got this position in in hanover and and one day i went to him and i told him that i want to tell you something uh, please don't be angry and he said anwar i have you ever seen me angry he said no i have never seen you angry so i said okay i got a position in in germany and i want to go there and uh, do my phd um what you can expect what the mentor will say or the, the 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 pi will say i mean most of the pi's they they don't feel good but what amit mishra said he said anwar you know i will get so many students like you but you won't get opportunity go go to germany and do your phd no from there i learned when i will be a mentor i will be like him you know always support your students that's very important so then i came to germany um i uh, at that time uh, rna interference was i rna i think most of you are scientists so you know about that this was no more a technology but it was the science so uh, I've, in my first project i we i used this rna interference to identify the targets in chronic myeloid leukemia so it's like a form of blood cancer okay um i think uh, two years later also these guys who discovered this technology got a nobel prize so i was very proud when i was defending my thesis because i showed <laughs> that the technology on which i worked uh, these guys received the nobel prize so after uh, this uh, phd uh, i did a short postdoc at marburg which is also in germany uh, i changed for little bit i moved from chronic to acute myeloid leukemia because that's more challenging chronic myeloid leukemia is like a easy disease to treat uh, um after my two years of postdoc then i came back to hanover i started as a senior postdoc in hanover and uh, then slowly i got the government grants and then i moved to position of group leader and then i hired my first phd student um, so i i think you know the names of i already told michelle and then ramya followed by charu and uh, yeah we i think what i did in in hanover i already told so we identified new target in leukemia we were quite successful we we had a good co- cooperation with with uh, pharma companies and they had learned that you know to my next step would be to join a pharma company and uh, after working almost for 10 years uh, i applied in biotech and i think you all know if not name of biotech but you all know like the name of pfizer so the pfizer vaccine is basically a biontech vaccine so so when i joined biontech it was the height of the pandemic and uh, i joined there uh, as a cancer expert because i had uh, experience in cancer for almost uh, 12 years and but when i entered there i realized that now it's a high time to uh, or whole one third of the task force of the company is working on on to develop a vaccine uh, for covid-19 and we are proud to say that we were the first one to deliver the vaccine and uh, now immunized more than i think uh, we have we are distributed more than a billion doses in the world and and 
So with this, I, I mean, I'm still working on cancer. That's my uh, field. But I also moved now to uh, infection biology. And uh, yeah, so currently I'm working both in oncology and infection biology at BioNTech. Okay, that's long but short introduction. About me. Thank you, Anuhar. So we see that you've had quite an association with Nobel Prizes, you know, your PhD work, hypoxia, and the mRNA vaccines. So thank you for uh, sharing your story with us. It was very honest and riveting. Um, the floor is now open for questions. So please raise your hand and, or drop them in the chat box if you uh, prefer that. And um, Vikram will announce the lucky first questioner. And also please introduce yourself to our guest before uh, you ask. Um, and so while everyone gathers their thoughts, I have a couple of questions. So. Um, <clears throat> I see throughout your uh, story, you always mentioned mentors. So how useful was early mentorship invention in your in shaping your career? And do you think everyone should seek a mentor? Yes, exactly. So, uh, I mean, so we, I think all, all are from India. So we know the importance of guru, okay? So we, we say that, um, I mean, if we see our, uh, what's say, ancient uh, scriptures or books, you know, it's, there is a importance of guru. So you always need a guru or a mentor uh, who can shape your career, who can guide you, who can, who himself has experience, who knows, uh, you know, what kind of problems you're going to face and always, uh, you know, uh, say, stands a pillar to move you, it's like, uh, so that uh, you should, uh, uh, I think, yeah, who, sh who should say support you whenever in, uh, in shaping your career? So, yes, I mean, I will say that mental is very important. And I had, uh, say, uh, I told you I had one. So from the beginning of my career in bachelor's, I had Dr. Ajay Sharma, who, who sort of was my mentor. And afterwards, I had my PhD mentor. Uh, his name is uh, Dr. Matthias Eder, or no, his professor, Professor Matthias Eder. And, and these are the guys, you know, who constantly supported me, helped me in, in, in uh, guiding me through different steps of my career. And yes, it's important. You should have, I mean, you should have a guru and guru always helps you to move forward. <laughs> yeah, this is the name of the mentor now. Yeah? So we used to call it guru before. Yeah. Okay, uh, I think uh, Naren has a question. <clears throat> yeah, Anuhar, it was great to hear uh, your story from uh, Punjab. And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, things that didn't work out. Um, you know, I think that is such an important aspect of uh, growing up. And I, I also completely agree with you that, you know, from we learn more from our failures than from our successes. I had a more technical question uh, and maybe we can follow it up after the call if, if it's too technical. You know, I think mRNA... <clears throat> has you know, revolutionized how therapeutic uh, modalities will be generated in the future, right? Pellet, nobody paid attention to it. Now, suddenly everybody wants to work on mRNA. So do you think the technology for manufacturing mRNA is mature enough that people can start thinking about it? And I'll tell you the reason why I'm asking this question. There are at least 10 different um, postdoctoral slash entrepreneurial people in India that I know who are trying to develop mRNA therapy, therapies for <clears throat> drug development, would you be able to help them in, in, in directly in manufacturing, in talking about how to manufacture this mRNA? So I'll short answer, but then we can take it offline. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. So uh, how I can help is I can help them in designing uh, uh, the drug product. Manufacturing is something which relates to the chemistry ministry control, and I have very limited experience in manufacturing. But if, say, uh, if you have a question, especially regarding the manufacturing, then we have very uh, good Indian colleagues who are uh, working, say, in our company, and they may help you, uh, help them, actually. And I can uh, ask, I mean, I can yeah, just uh, ask them to contact you, or we can... Uh, the contact together with them. Yeah, thank you. Um, so maybe I'll take you up. Uh, I'll connect with you on LinkedIn separately about that. Thank you so much. So th 
thanks a lot for your like inspiring journey and i am virender singh founder of five patrika and right now i am doing postdoc at ut southwestern so as you mentioned like you have joined phd program at tdri then you went on to do phd in germany and it looks like like you stayed just like in europe after that so have you ever thought of moving back to india or like like you have any plans in future uh that's a good question actually um so this is actually so i told you about amit mishra the the, the guy who said that anwar go ahead you know he also said me that come back and contribute to your own country um yes i thought several times actually coming back to india uh but uh never in academia so uh in in industry uh but i mean i will also say the same thing every time i i applied um i never got a response and at one time i stopped applying in india but this was something at a time when i had a, i had a very limited experience actually and afterwards uh yeah i mean i stayed in europe and now i'm continuing here uh but definitely i mean i was thinking actually from last 3 4 months that maybe uh i should think of uh, if not going back to india but at least helping uh, as 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 uh, i think dr shirmule said that maybe if if india requires my expertise then then definitely i would like to do that love to help if somebody needs that yeah i think that will be great and as sure. like narain mentioned like there are people who will need your Uh, expertise and maybe your consultancy to develop those products from india it will be a pleasure to share uh before nikhil uh, i will take a quick uh, chat question uh, by shruti so uh, have you uh, did you decide very specifically that you uh, how did you decide very specifically that you wanted to pursue phd in hanover medical school were you open to pursue your degree in other college countries which specialize in your area of interest okay that's a very very good question so actually uh when i was for this three months when i was at cdra uh i was uh, this srn sh or this uh, rn interference was was a technology which came and i was quite interested in this technology uh, i was trying to search the the labs the departments like who are doing research here so that were, i had two possibilities at that time i mean europe was not that open so i'm talking about uh, in 2001 2002 2003 so at that time uh, there were very very limited universities who were offering the international phd programs and fortunately uh, hanover medical school had such program and i think this was the first uh, medical school in germany which offered international phd program in english and also on their website i found a lab which was working on rn interference so i applied in this program and and when i was applying uh, when i applied at that time i mentioned that i want to join a lab which is working on rn interference and and later on they matched uh, same uh, my interest with the lab and i i got this lab so this is how i ended up in hemomedical school okay hey, uh, thank you anur uh nikhil please go ahead yeah thank you vikram thank you anuhar for the enlightening uh, journey you have shared with us i am nikhil i am a postdoc here in singapore and i have been in academia for the last 5 to 6 years so hey, nikhil. During, during your journey you mentioned like at uh, various places you had good mentors and importantly the science which is shared among the people in let's say academia be it at be in india or germany so there is a lot of flexibility in pursuing what you think of but now for the last 2 2 plus years you are at in in you are in an industry position so can you can you give your views on the team dynamics and the flexibility to pursue your own interests oh that's a uh, also a very good question of course when you are in a company you have a limit 
limitations in terms of say uh, flexibility yeah but again the thing is that depends uh, what you want to do so for example i wanted to work on i always worked on cancer and i wanted to work on cancer if i say that i want to work only specifically on leukemia then i can't i mean but if i if if say i say that i want to work on cancer then biotech is a place where i can work on cancer and and any other at the company you know uh, if i specifically choose a company which works you know in cancer uh, therapeutics then i can join that company yes i i moved to infection biology not moved fully moved but uh, like that was the demand of a time that uh, i had to work on the infection biology but i didn't give up you know on the cancer so so in summary the answer to your question is yes you have say a little bit of rigidness less flexibility but still you can you can continue to work you know if you want to work so it it depends uh, like either whether you work, you have a flexibility or you whether you want to work on a particular indication or work on a broad area if you want to work on a broad area you always find your way and this is what i did so i'm i'm working on three programs in cancer and and three programs in infection biology but again if if say use the technology is the same technology so it it depends you know it it depends it depends on 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 what a person wants yeah but i i totally agree with you that in academia you are the boss you do whatever you want to do and yeah <laughs> can move forward you know the way we want and th those 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 things i mean those are little drawbacks but still not that much what we think when we're sitting you know in academia thinking about the industry thank you so much uh parvati please go ahead uh, thank you vikram uh, so firstly uh, it was really exciting and inspiring to know your journey uh, this is parvati and i am currently doing my undergraduate degree at shastra university in biotechnology and i've recently joined biopatrika as a podcast intern as well uh so my question actually nikhil asked my question so i also was very inspired about your transition from academia to industry because you've been working in the academia for more than like uh, a decade now and uh, after getting into the industry as well you were not stick stuck with you know uh, with your field of cancer biology whereas you widened your you expanded your entire research field and you know you're getting into infection biology so technically uh, as an undergrad student what we feel is that once you get into one path it's like fixed but then you show that there are transitions and there are things that can be changed and that can be wonderful so i would like to hear your thoughts on how transition works and what do you feel exciting right now <laughs> i think i think i am working on on now the most exciting say field no cancer so exciting fields of course cancer is one and uh, when actually i uh, i started working on the infection biology someone said uh, very nice uh, i won't say it's a nice but uh, someone said that you know cancer kills the people is a deadly disease okay but cancer cannot eradicate the whole population but infections can okay so so uh, i mean in the end the whole idea so my whole idea is that to contribute you know to the society in a way to develop a therapeutics doesn't matter it's for cancer it's for the infection biology so if you go with this attitude you know then i think it will be very easy for you to switch between uh, different indications or between academia to uh, to industry so that's why i said you know you have to remove this rigidness in from your mind i know that people say start working on say for example on mycoplasma and they start working micro they they work through, throughout the whole life on that it's still good if you love that but uh, if you want say i mean this was said uh what you want in life so if you say that okay no my aim is broad i want to say develop a therapy for the people i want to cure a disease doesn't matter which disease it is using my expertise then i mean whole world is open for you thanks a lot 
lot, sir. Uh, I just have one follow-up question, uh, if I may. Uh, so you mentioned beautifully about the contribution, the drive to contribute to the society. So I've I always wondered uh, on which would be a better path for me, like an, an academic path or an industrial way. Like, is it right for me to put that an industrial uh, career would give me more targeted deliverables and it would help me have an actual impact within a shorter period of time when compared to the academia or... Am I getting it entirely wrong? Okay, Parvati, I will say that let, let's start from the beginning. So first you have to think which path you want to follow. Do you want to follow a classical path, PhD, postdoc, 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 and then um, you know, a group leader or so on? That's the one thing. So first you have to think, are you meant for this? If you say that you are meant for this, then and and you develop an interest in, in one particular field and, and then you would want to continue like this. That's that's one uh, way to go forward in your career. The second way is that after PhD, you think that, oh, I think I, I can do research, but I want to do, you know, contribute to society, but not want to follow this path, but rather contribute, you know, in a different way. Then you have also several options like in a company. So for example, do you want to go, you know, do you want to uh, still stick to the research? But then as uh, I think uh, somebody said before, you have a limitation, so you're not flexible enough. So if you want to uh, do a, uh, join a company, um, you have to be very broad, uh, you know, in terms of, of your uh, field. Or if you think that, oh, now I cannot do the research. I want to do something else. There are also so many other options. You can do, go to regulatory affairs, you can do clinical trial management, you can do a MSL, you can do so many things. So I live on you. So it, it's, it's on you. You have to decide what you want to do, okay? And you can do better in both academia as well as in company. So it's not that which is fast, which is slow. It depends what you want in your life. And where do you think, you know, yourself in the next 10 years? That where you want to go? Is that answer your question? Or you still it's a very much, very much. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, uh, so before Charu, I've been sorry here. from... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Just one thing that I would like to add to uh, Anuhar's answer and to Parvati's question. I mean, that's the whole point of having these mentorship, mentorship sessions that we get to meet new people, we get to meet experts in their field, learn from them. And then, you know, we have at least some sort of clarity in, okay, so if I go into this field, then this will happen. If I go into this field, this will happen. And then you can make a decision based on what you like best. And of course, Anuhar is an example of sampling both. And there's never a time where you cannot change. So, I mean, he was in science for 10 years. And then he says, okay, now I want to try industry. And he's doing so well over there as well. So you can have it all, I guess. That's so true, Charu. That's really amazing. I'm really happy that I joined today because it was such a, because it's like in my final year, and I guess most of the final year undergrad students would have this, uh, you know, uh, thought of what to do next, you know, what would be the next career path. And I guess these sessions are indeed really helpful. And thanks a lot, Anuhar, for sharing your thoughts. It was a pleasure. Yeah, so before Charu, uh, we have one question in the chat box uh, by S. Nahuel. So uh, since you have experience in mRNA technology, uh, why do you think that a person such as Robert Malone, one of the persons involved in the early development of mRNA technology, has an anti-vax speech? Uh, I'm quite amazed and can't find a logic. I couldn't get the question, sorry. Oh, okay. So okay. Uh, the question is, uh, as you have an experience in mRNA technology, so a person who invented the mRNA and DNA uh, vaccines, uh, Robert Malone, why he gave yeah. an anti-vaccine speech? I mean, what's the logic behind that? Okay, I got this. I have also uh, heard this, this, I think, uh, some on the internet. And frankly speaking, I also don't know why he gave uh, anti-vaccine speech. Maybe it's something... I will say his personal reasons, but I, I can I can uh, uh, talk in the other way around. Like, like you all have seen the the success of 
DNA and, and RNA vaccines. Yeah. And uh, also you have seen that how fast these vaccines could be developed. You have also seen that how efficacious these vaccines are compared to the say, protein subunit vaccines or traditional attenuated uh, uh, microorganism vaccines. Okay. And these vaccines are safe. So, I mean, we all are scientists. We know that, uh, I mean, there were concerns that RNA integrates into the genome and so on. We all know that for that RNA has to be reverse transcribed into the DNA. And for that, you need a reverse transcriptase that's not present in the body. Okay, it's, it's, it's highly, it's not possible that the chances are almost negligible. So, no, I will say that instead of seeing the comment of this guy then see the real world data and then decide yourself you know what is right and what is not right so i will answer this everybody has their own opinions i mean <laughs> there are always anti vaccines but see the science you are scientists you, know, you all know the law decide on that uh, okay please uh, go ahead charu um, I think uh, maybe, uh, so Naren also works um, on these vaccines and, you know, he has that kind of uh, background as well. So maybe, uh, Naren, do you have an opposing view to Anuhar or like, do you agree with uh, Rob Malone? Well, you know, <clears throat> I've been asked, uh, I've been asked this question many times since I've worked on vaccines about the anti-vaxxers. So over the, over the last several months or maybe even years, I've formulated a answer um, to give this, and maybe maybe this is a this is a way that all of us can think about how to answer these questions, because mm -hmm. I believe that everybody on this call Absolutely. probably are um, you know supporters of vaccines in general. So how do you answer a question? So the way I look at this question is, if someone asks you a question like this to an anti-vaxer, I I put anti-vaxers in three different categories. One. Uh, anti-vaxxers just for the sake of being anti-vaxxers. They will, you, they will not be convinced with data at all. You, you might tell them anything and they will not be converted, right? That's one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is these people have data. They actually have data to believe that vaccines do harm, right? And therefore, it's very hard to convince them, but they might, if you give them more data, they might be able to be converted. So I'll give you an example that Paul Offit gives. Of um, Paul Offit is one of the world's leading uh, vaccinologists in, in University of Pennsylvania. So he gives this example of the data-driven uh, anti-vaxxers. So what he says is he's a um, pediatric vaccinologist. So he, one day, uh, a small little baby has to be given their first vaccine <clears throat> and the mother is holding the baby in their arm and, and uh, <clears throat> Paul is filling up a syringe and fills the syringe <clears throat> to give the vaccine. <clears throat> now, just before giving the vaccine to the baby, <clears throat> the baby goes into an anaphylactic shock, I mean, the um, seizure, into a, into a severe seizure, right? Before giving the vaccine. Now, if that shot was given and the baby got the uh, seizure after the vaccine was given, no matter how much data you give to that mother, she will say vaccine caused it, right? right. So these are the kind of people who have probably observed vaccine-induced side effects and they, you cannot convince them otherwise because they've seen it with their own eyes. So they are one end of the spectrum. You have to give them more data to get the other in the spectrum. No point arguing with them because you know there's nothing you can do. The Ill illogical, no data, nothing. The ones in between are the ones that will either you you may as scientists, as scientists, communicators, and biopath what Biopatrika is doing, and all of you are doing within there in your team. You are gravitating and telling people to think systematically, science-based, and make your own decision of whether the vaccine is good or not. Now, if data suggests to you in your personal opinion that the vaccine is not good, so be it. But please do it with data. So I would, sorry to take a long answer, and Anuhar, I didn't mean to no, no, answer for you, but so this is a methodology of how you could answer such a question. Is I. No. Very well explained, actually. And and also, you know, uh, I, just just for information to everyone, you know, uh, this co 
COVID vaccines has been given now to almost billions of people in the world. And the vaccination has started from, I think, uh, the people from uh, the age group of 80 onwards and so on. And also the vaccine has been uh, given to the people who were, say, on the uh, suffering from critical diseases and so on. And, and you know, and it, it, it is like this is everybody got the vaccine. Some people die of the natural death because some, for example, a person suffering from leukemia and going to die in a week and you give them a vaccine, a person died in a week. Doesn't mean that person died with the vaccine. Okay, so please don't take this data, you know, to make your decision. I mean, I know you won't, you all are scientists, but if somebody asks you or tells you or gives you this logic, just tell them that, no, this is not the case. Okay, a way to, to tell people that, when billions had got it, many people, many people died of the natural death. It's not because of the vaccine or you know something else. If somebody got a vaccine and then died in road road accident, doesn't mean vaccine causes road accidents. So, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I have to interrupt for a second and an important announcement for you, Anuhar. Yeah. Rahul Purwar yeah. says hi to you. Oh, hi Rahul. He's, no. Yeah, we, 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 did, we, we did our uh, uh, PhD together. We were buddy, actually. <laughs> yes, that's what he just texted me and he saw you on LinkedIn. And okay. Rahul Purwar, we should get him. He's doing some phenomenal work in India. So sorry for yeah, the yeah. digression. <laughs> okay, uh, let's, uh, Aragya, please go ahead. And after that, we'll take last question from Charu. Yeah, so I have one, uh, I, I would like to project one situation. In India, generally the research is being done and uh, we hardly get, means we hardly get the confidence in the size of the patients because all are like individual collaborators or something like that. So in a cohort of study, we hardly get 50 patients or 100 patients. And if we look at the West, like they have their full medical facility, like they are doing a study in the patients of thousands to two thousands and the number goes high. So like when we compare our data and they said that, okay, you have done in 50 patients or 100 patients, we, we need to do more. But due to limitations, we cannot go ahead. Due to some limitations, we cannot go ahead. And uh, our data, like whatever the data has been driven, comes in between of both. Neither accepted nor rejected. So like how to approach this kind of problems, like it only remains in the scientific communications or articles. It is not get translated into uh, science because uh, the PA is happy, paper is published, the work is not carried out forward. We need to study on more patients. Like the, every article, there is a disclaimer, like uh, it has a high potential for translation science. More studies have to be conducted in large number of populations. So like these things, we are facing the challenge and uh, what is your view on this? Okay, I mean, that's a very good question. So I'll first tell what happens in uh, say Europe or United States. I don't know if that happens in India or not because I never worked in India and why we, these say Western world has uh, data on such a lot, a uh, large cohort because since here the, the clinics are, Clinicians are also doing the research, not from now, from several years. So they they keep they keep on freezing the patient samples from years. I don't know whether we are doing this in India or not. And since they have the samples frozen from the years, they have a good number of samples, and that's why whenever they have to do a such kind of study, they can do uh, on a on a large say, number of samples. So. I'm, I'm sure you're talking about the studies which are conducted on the patient samples, not on the, on, 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 like on the frozen samples, not on the samples collected from the so patient this, because this that is, you can never get, yeah. sorry, sorry. So this is in case of everything, fresh frozen, formalin fixed, like every, every samples, every clinical samples what we get. Exactly. So, so fresh frozen, I think we will have, we will get always more in India compared to in Europe. Or, or in United States, because there is like, for simple reason that we have more population and, and def, uh, that's why we have, uh, we will, uh, India has like a greater possibility of getting such sam uh, such uh, fresh samples. I think uh, the, you can increase the cohort with the frozen samples and that is why it is so, because here they keep, 
they kept you know in in my institute they have frozen samples from 1970 onwards if and and then when they find some new mutations they free, they they take the samples from 1970 till now and then they have 3000 samples they do a study i think which is something i don't know if you are lagging in india or not but if you are lagging then we should start start doing such things so currently of course if you have if you have a limitation of the patient samples you can only validate the result which has been published by the others you can always publish the validation cohort but if you want to make a claim you have to do in a large number of samples and you have two possibilities either one start you know either the clinician in india start working in the research if they are not doing it we should have say sort of a biobanks where one can freeze the samples or collaborate with someone you know who is working in in europe or united states i mean this is how a very frank uh, reply from my side or you're not happy raghav with my yeah, answer yeah thanks but uh, practical <laughs> things are somewhat different like in field okay but like i found something like i will be encouraging anyone to store the samples we don't have this kind of tissue banks or biobanks maybe in near future it can be developed right exactly there's a way to move forward actually i mean i, I totally understand what you are saying and uh, since yeah. such biobanks exist here so that's why they have a better So a bigger cohort rather than you have in India. Yeah. So maybe Arghya can become the um, uh, the starter, like you know, he can be the pioneer in such a thing. Anwar, I'll ask you my uh, the last question because you know we we also have a rapid fire after this. Um, I'll make it quick. Uh, so with regard to your thoughts on contributing to India, you were part of the first international PhD program by a medical institute in Germany. and so will you also spearhead such uh, a venture perhaps at biotech offering internships to international students and does such a program already exist we no such a program doesn't exist at uh, biotech uh, and uh, what how i can mentor is that if somebody i mean uh, so of course i mean uh, if if one has to work uh, outside india in a company there are also uh, visa and work permit restrictions so on which are, which fortunately is not the case in germany so if somebody say wants to uh, join doesn't matter biotech or any company in germany i'm not aware of the the uh, work permit restrictions for the other countries but germany doesn't have it so if somebody wants to join join a company here then that he or she may contact me on linkedin and i can guide him how to polish your cv how to say uh, sell yourself you know like how to bring a right skills because everybody has a skills but they don't know how to uh, uh, like uh, highlight them in their cv so this is how some something i can help them and also i can help them uh, at least to prepare uh, them for some uh, questions for the interviews some basic question for the interviews okay but Thanks yeah so sorry there are no, no inter internships <laughs> available yeah but if somebody wants to join an internship phd program they can also contact me and uh, yeah. i think charu you are also i mean you yourself have done a phd from internship phd program so you can also yeah. help such people yeah yes yes i i am i am i'm always there to help if anyone wants any uh, uh, answers from me um of course so let's get to know anuhar a little bit more through a quick rapid fire round hosted by shruti oh i am never nervous no <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So what's your favorite country India or Germany? <laughs> India. Okay. You know fir bhi dil hai hindustani. Great. Oh well your passport says something else. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You know hum hindi mein baat karte hain hum indian khana khate hain theek hai mere room mein india ka flag hai. Okay aur kabhi india aur germany ka match hoga so i will support india so. <laughs> Okay. And I still, still stand up. You know, whenever I hear uh, Janganman, so and I, I don't know the national anthem of Germany. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what are the three things that you like about industry other than money? Oh, that's a challenging question. <laughs> no, um. i think i think uh, one thing is flexibility i know not flexibility in terms of research 
but flexibility in terms of stopping the project. Okay. Discussions uh, between different uh, departments, which I really love it. And fast decisions, very fast decisions. Okay. Okay. Great. So when you're not working, what are you passionate about doing then? I mean, your hobbies. I have two kids. <laughs> <laughs> so currently my hobby is my family. Uh, but I, I, I love... Uh, Either I'm busy with my family, uh, with my kids, or uh, during holidays, I, I, I love traveling. So I've traveled almost most of the Europe, North America, and plans are for Australia and Africa. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> what do you wish that you would have learned sooner after so many years? That I would have joined the industry earlier. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the last question is, <laughs> Um, starting a company of your own can enable you to translate your research uh, to masses easily um, as it gives you more flexibility compared to joining an industry. Do you agree with this? I don't think so. The reason, I mean, mean, starting a company is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then there are a lot of challenges. And one has to be ready to face those challenges. And uh, nowadays, uh, I mean, biotech, at least uh, the pharma biotech companies, if you are in the right company, you bring your own idea, they also support you. And then they have all, all in infrastructure. So I feel that you move faster with your idea in an established company mm-hmm. rather than making your own startup. But yes, startups are great. I, I, I like it, but not my cup of tea. Wow, it was uh, great talking to you. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Anuhar. That was a lot of questions, insight, and a very snappy chat. We all loved it. And thank you for your time, support, advice, and frankness. Um, Everyone, please send in your other burning questions to Anuhar personally. His LinkedIn information is in the chat box. And do contact him for industry opportunities and PhD advice in Germany. We hope you are enjoying these sessions. A network should last a lifetime. Let us help you create lasting professional relationships with our world-class mentors through the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program. A strategic guidance program unlike no other, full of expert interviews, industry internship opportunities, CV writing, inflection point analysis, life maps, and of course, the gateway to your dream career. For a limited time only, all our services are freely available for you as we truly want you to succeed.